When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant looking chipper and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. There's Jerry over there. She's dressed like Snow White. Some birds flying around the place. Wow. It's like... uh, all the stuff you should know. It's like Disney all up in here. I know. Which, by the way, we learned. <laughs> the hard way. Um, well, I'm going to go over it because I'll mess it up again. That's good. So, Chuck. Yeah. Have you ever been inside an underground mine? No. Do sir. you Do you remember our episode where we talked about what happens to abandoned mines? Yeah. Boy, did we do a show on that? Old timey. Crazy old. It was a good one, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we've also done one on mountaintop removal mining with Ben Soli. Yeah. That was a good one, too. Yep. This one's totally different. Because... We, we did fracking, too. Oh, yeah, we did do fracking. What the frick is fracking, didn't yeah. we? Wasn't that what it was called? Something one like of that. our better titles. <laughs> um, but this one's totally different. This is underground mining. Yes. This is what people normally think of with mining, rather than stripping the top off of a mountain or um, fracking. This is This is mining. Yeah, and you usually um, don't think about mining much as a regular person walking around on a day-to-day basis unless there's some sort of accident. And that will usually cause regular folk to say, oh, yeah, right, people still go underground and mine, and it can be very dangerous. They're like, how terrible. Now back to life. Uh, (laughs) Like in 2010 in Chile, remember that? I no, that one was huge. Oh, yeah, well, they got those dudes. They did. And there's, I think, a movie coming out or already out. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Antonio Banderas. Oh yeah, I think so. Too sexy. Yeah, that's a one sexy minor. Do you remember that? I'm no. sorry, live. Oh, you don't remember the Antonio, the Antonio Banderas? How do you say? Oh, ah, yes, sure. Yeah, that's right. I remember that now. Did someone played him though? Right. Or was he yeah, I'm it? sure he guessed it at least once. But yeah, I think it was Chris Kattan. I think, it, I think you're exactly yeah. right. The least sexy guy of all time. No, actually. We're sorry, Mr. Kattan, but it's true. I think he would admit that. No, I think he likes himself. What he was, doesn't care what we say. What was that crazy character he used to do? The like monkey Mango? Boy? Yeah. That was very funny. Oh, no. Mango was different than the monkey boy. Mango was like this super sexy, um, like flamenco dancer down in Miami or something that like every people would like 
like give up their lives for just really? to be around. Mango wasn't the one who ate fruit all no. crazy? No. All right. I don't remember. God rest his soul. Who? Chris Kattan? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Well, you can still, does that have to mean you're dead or can God just rest your soul? <laughs> I guess. Like he needs a break. I think there's a sense of finality <laughs> to that. When God rests your soul, I think your soul has been R.I.P. Right. You can still rest in peace by taking a nice nap. <laughs> um, so yes, in Chile, uh, it was a disaster in 2010 that, uh, turned out with a great ending, uh, because like I said, they're all rescued and, um, but they spent 68 days underground. Yeah. In a little room. Crazy, man. Which probably smelled a lot like pee when they were finally taken yeah. out of there. Yeah, it's a long time. I mean, and I, it's believe, remarkable. I believe the room was designed as an escape room or something, so it, it worked like it, it was supposed to. Right. But they had to dig like an escape hatch. They had to dig down to these miners, hundreds of feet under the ground. Yeah, um, which in and of itself put their life in danger, I'm sure. Right. You know? And that happened in 2010, and uh, Julia Layton, who wrote this article, points out that that was a... A, as far as mining goes, that was a bad year. Yeah. So there were those guys, like 33 were, were rescued, but a bunch of their um, compatriots were killed in that same disaster, I believe. Well, yeah. And um, I think she also makes a great point that, it, you know, the disaster gets all the headlines, but people die all the time individually or in, you know, several dudes at once. You know, that doesn't hit the headlines. Right. Like a couple of guys die uh, on the job in a day. Right. And regionally you might hear about on the news, but it's not going to sweep the nation. Right. Like a big disaster. And apparently also um, things like black lung are still around even though they shouldn't be. Yeah. And I I was reading, you know, that these deaths, although they're preventable, they are – they're – the deaths of people who live in rural communities outside of the spotlight of the media. Yeah. And so it, it still happens. So, yeah, the point is mining, underground mining in particular, is extremely dangerous. I have a question for you, though. I was looking at pictures of modern mining operations, and guys are down there, you know, without even, like, a dust mask on. I noticed that, too. And I'm just thinking that seems to be the most preventable mm-hmm. thing you can do is wear the, like, why aren't they wearing the things the firefighters wear? I don't know. With the tank and the full mask, face mask. The closest thing I can come to for an answer is that the Spence. mine, no, the mine yeah. owners are supposed to have that place so ventilated that you wouldn't even need that. Eh. Supposed to. I don't know about that. That's, that, but I mean, like in 1969, Congress said there should not be black lung anymore. We want it eradicated from the right. mining industry. Since then, 76,000 miners have died from black lung. Right. Um, but it's apparently it's totally preventable. It's just mine owners being cheap and or lazy. Right. And I guess, I mean, when was this done? When did they? Uh... 1969. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, you could have stats of people that theoretically started their career after right. that. And I'm sure that they should not have black lung. Sure. But they, they're definitely people who weren't even born then that died of black lung. Right. You know, since then. Man. Um. All right, well, we're talking about underground mining, though, because you pointed out to Jerry when she said mining, and you went, underground mining, big difference. <laughs> Does it sound like that? I've no. got a lot of self-reflection to do. Um, but surface mining is different, and that is uh, a very uh, viable way to get ore if you only want to go down, and that's a top-down op. That's like mountaintop removal. Yeah, if you want to go down a couple hundred feet, 
it's a it's a good way to get some ore. Below that, it, the efficiencies, um, it becomes inefficient. So right. they say, well, why don't we get down there? Yeah, go and to start the source. Working our way up. Right. That's what they do. Or at least you know maybe just go get that big chunk of ore that's a thousand feet down. And did you did you see this thing about kind of the early history of mining? Yeah. So should we should we do that? Yeah, man. The the when you talk about going like a thousand feet down or how did, how far does the uranium mine go down to? Sixty five hundred feet. That's mind bogglingly deep. That's more than a mile, right? Isn't a mile something like in the neighborhood of five thousand feet? I have no idea. I think it is. <laughs> it's something like that, right? Yeah. So that's a very deep amount. Sure. But that's using like machines and mechanization, which we'll talk about. Yeah. So if you go around the world and find some of these ancient mines, like Roman mines or Egyptian mines, they were yeah. the first ones to really get into mining, um, although they're prehistoric mines that date back to the Neolithic age. Them going down like 100 feet or so, that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. And they're working and it's like uh, something like three or four meters a month of an advance rate. Yeah, because they're using pickaxes. They were using pickaxes. And slave labor and prisoners. Right. And prisoners of war. Right. Uh, criminals, basically. So the conditions, as you would imagine, were terrible because they didn't care. No, who, they were like, died. go ahead and die. We'll just go conquer another land and yeah. make them mine. Exactly. But as that uh, um, source of employees dried up <laughs> and they had fewer and fewer prisoners of war because uh-huh. they'd conquered everyone, they said, well, maybe this is a real job and we should make it safer. Yeah. Like pay some probably still like unskilled, like yokels <laughs> but at least they <laughs> egyptian they, yokels yeah but they weren't prisoners of war and slaves so they wanted to pay him a little mo- a little money yeah not much and uh, make it a little bit safer no and as a result the occupation of mining became more respected and respectable yeah uh, because it's a pretty hardcore occupation um and one that should be admired and respected it, it, especially if you're talking about back in the day when they're using pickaxes and stuff. Yeah, your article that you sent was pre-1600. Mm-hmm. And um, for hundreds and hundreds of years, it it kind of stayed the same. And the Egyptians kind of set the standard and everyone followed suit. And, you know, they would dig down with pickaxes and shovels made right. of, you know, depends, everything from bone to when they finally got metal from mining, they would use metal. Right. It kind of was like a cycle. They also very cleverly, and apparently this is a really old technique, they would use, um, I think it was called fire quenching. Yeah. That's, it says fire setting or fire quenching. Let's just say they would heat up rock. Right. With fire. And yeah. And then throw water on it. Yeah. And if you've ever done that, you can see a rock will crack pretty quickly. Yeah. Because of that change in temperature, that really rapid change in temperature. Not safe. No. No, it's not. Because that rock can go flying. Yeah, especially and in fifth century Rome. These, you know? Yeah, and they were also using it not just to like hurry along. It was basically their their version of drilling and blasting before there was drills or blast equipment. Yeah, um, and they would also use it not just to to drill or blast or break up ore. They were doing it so they could free their axes or picks that would get stuck in the rock. Right. So yeah, that thing could come flying out and hit you. But again, you were most likely a prisoner of war, a slave, or a convicted criminal who was not only using a a very cheap pick to break up rock all day, there's a guy behind you lashing you with a whip to egg you on and yeah. keep you standing upright. 
Yeah, and it, it is weird. I just thought about the cycle. Like they, they kind of, I mean, they use metal for other things, but they were kind of mining to just improve their own equipment for more mining. Yeah, right. And the discovery of more metals. Yeah. Like initially they wanted, I think, flint for tools and weapons, mm-hmm. but they were using bone. And then eventually they were like, oh, well, we found copper. Right. So we'll use copper to dig and like, oh, well, now we found bronze. Right. And, and then so all we'll the way bronze. up to... Uh, like, wait, we found some iron. Right. Now let's use iron. Yeah. Pretty neat. Yeah. And each time it was like a snake eating its own tail. They just go <laughs> do some more mining with the new stuff. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, that, that was pretty much the early history of mining and it stayed virtually the same until the age of mechanization, the... In- that well, the industrial age, right? But even after the industrial age, people were still using like ancient mining techniques. Yeah, TNT. Yeah. Well, well that's that not that ancient. ancient. <laughs> but blasting and right. I think what they say in this article, like five percent of mining today is is the blast. Yeah. Technique. It's mostly mechanized, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, let's you want to take a break? Yeah, man. Okay, and we'll come back and talk about mechanized mining techniques right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website. Whether it's an online course or custom merch, Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com slash stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. All right, so... No two minds are the same. Well, that's probably not true. I bet you there's two minds that are the same. Exactly the same. <laughs> but there are different kinds of minds, and um, but most of them have a few common characteristics. Uh, you got to have your ventilation right. shafts. You got to have uh, your access shafts for the employees. You got to have exit shafts for the ore. Um, 
a lot, there's a lot of shafts. So many shafts, man. <laughs> so many shafts. There's, uh, did you say vent shafts yeah. to vent away the, the stuff? Yeah, that's number one. Uh, recovery shafts that the ore goes up out of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Comm systems. Break there's room. A, yeah, break room. Escape rooms. Yeah, escape rooms. That kind of stuff. Totally. And, um, the, but I think the point of Leighton here is that the, the ore deposit itself is going to tell you what kind of underground mining technique you want to use, right? Yeah, like the, what the ore actually is, what it's shaped like. Yeah. Uh, is it like a big flat slab? Is it a big, huge blob? Uh, <laughs> right? What kind of rock is around it? Are, are you mining petroleum jelly? <laughs> uh, well, you raised a question, Chuck. I could not find this to save my life. So there's two types of underground mines, right? Okay. There's hard rock mines and soft rock mines. Yeah, so there's Soundgarden and Steely Dan. I had uh, Dockin and Bread. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Oh, is docking metal? Yeah, ish. But see, that's the thing, hard rock or metal. That's a fine line sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but Soundgarden. Bre- bre- I think bread. How about Soundgarden and bread? Okay. Look at us. Soundgarden and bread. Working together. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't figure out if that is meant to describe the ore, the type of thing that's being mined, or the rock surrounding the ore. I saw both. If you Now what now? Uh, <laughs> oh, just... oh, for the hard or soft? Right. Oh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I never really, I, I think I assumed it was uh, the ore, but you may be right. Maybe it's... So Leighton the... says, for example, coal, coal deposits live in relatively soft sedimentary rock. Right. Which would make you think that she's, she's saying that it's the rock that's around the ore. That's soft. Yeah. Yeah. And that that would be a soft rock mine that is not dependent on the, the type of ore you're getting out. I saw elsewhere, I saw that what she was saying being supported right. in other places, but I also saw, no, it has to do with, it, it describes the ore that's being removed. So if there's any miners out there that can tell us oh, the yeah. difference definitively, we want to know. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get a wonderful follow-up email. But the point is, depending on whether you've determined it's a hard rock mine or a soft rock mine, um, that's going to also inform not just the 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 where the ore is yeah. and the size of the and shape of the ore deposit, but um, whether it's hard rock or soft rock is going to determine what type of mining technique you want to use. Yeah, it seems like there's more hard rock mines than soft. They list gold, diamonds, copper, silver. Uh, zinc and nickel as yeah. hard rock, and the only mention of soft is coal. Yeah, but there's a lot of coal mining going on, so maybe you know tons, literally tons. <laughs> right. uh, so let's talk a little bit about hard rock mining. Um, it really helps, I found, to look at either cross sections, like if you look up um, room and pillar mining. There's always a great cross-section diagram. Yeah, I love those. That kind of brings it home. You know, looking at this stuff, uh-huh. and I saw you watching a video that I saw too. Yeah. It like brings out the little boy who loved Honka trucks <laughs> yeah. in me again. Like this stuff is really neat. Yeah. you're. Well, we'll get there. The continuous miner. Yeah. That's, that's definitely part of it. But also like trucks driving underground yeah. and like going beep, beep, yeah, yeah. beep. Fill me up, Blue. Up. Yeah. Just awesome. All right, so room and pillar is um, for a flat ore deposit that doesn't, let's say, like, oh, it starts at 200 feet and goes down a 1,000 more feet. Right. It's uh, more horizontal and flat. And this is where 
basically you use this machine called a continuous miner, uh, and they say it drills, but maybe that's the terminology. But when I think of drill, I think of um, something long drilling a hole into something. Mm-hmm. This looks like a boxy tank with a uh, huge metal dustpan at the bottom and a huge rolling pin with teeth on it at the top. And a big appetite for coal. Yeah. <laughs> and and when I say rolling pin, it's like kind of like a bulldozer. You can raise and lower it. Mm-hmm. And you just drive that thing through earth. Right. In your coal uh, deposit. But you leave these pillars. So you basically clear out a huge room with these big pillars left yeah. to keep you from dying. I th- I find the terms room and pillar, they're kind of misleading because it makes you think that the room is going to be vast, and then there's these little kind of supports that are left behind. And that's not the case at all. The pillars are huge. They're enormous. They're uh, From what I saw, they're frequently bigger than the room itself, and they're left oh, really? behind to keep the rock above from crumbling in, right? Yeah, that's still got to be scary. So, oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know? Like, this is extremely dangerous work, you yeah. know? So, I mean, you're hollowing out inside a mountain. That's super dangerous. Well, I mean, when I did my one caving experience uh, a few years ago. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And I was in, uh, there was this one, I think they called it a pancake crawl or something, uh-huh. where for 20 feet you have to shimmy on your back with with the world's largest stone slab right. five inches above your face. And I just kept thinking, like, what if the earth moved a little and oh, yeah. this thing just smashed me yep. flat? You'd be a pancake yourself. And that's one of the dangers is trimmers and things. Sure. Uh, underground trimmers. Have you been to Rock City? Yeah, when I was a kid. So been a while. You you know there's like that enormous rock that's being held up very precariously yeah. by a small boulder. Uh-huh. You're walking under that same same thing. I don't need to go caving. I can just go to Rock <laughs> City and, and tempt fate. Yeah, and then you can go to Stucky's and buy a pecan log afterwards. Love those. Yes. Oh, For those you don't know, Rock City is a... Tennessee, right? Yeah, Chattanooga. Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's yeah. um very beautiful yeah. area. It's it's our version of Carlsbad Caverns. You've got Rock City. Well, it's super kitschy. There's like 1930s oh, yeah. glow in the dark gnomes everywhere. Yeah, it's really interesting. Cool. Um, and then you got Ruby Falls. Yeah. Where you walk underground, underground and you come falls. into a cavern, and there's psh, the water coming down. Very pretty. Uh, and then there's also like Lookout Mountain. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, and definitely worth going to. Not too far from your beloved Dollywood. Yeah, it's not far. <laughs> so the the point is with the room and pillar, right? You're basically your Pac-Man or your Dig Dug. You dig Dug, yeah. Going through a coal seam. Mm-hmm. And then that space you just carved out is called a room. When you come back through, you leave a big space in between of coal. Yeah. And then come back through again. And that's another room. So what's in between those two rooms now is the pillar. It's just the strip of coal that you left intact. Yeah, and um, that the, they will come in at the very end and even take care of those pillars uh, one by one, allowing everything to collapse as it leaves. Yeah. Which sounds probably like the most dangerous phase <laughs> is knocking the pillars down. They're like, make Todd do it. <laughs> uh, he's in the break room having a nap. <laughs> Go wake <laughs> him up. That's why they he always sleeps on the job. Did you see that picture of Richard Branson? Like squatting next to one of like no. a Virgin Airlines employee like sleeping on a couch in the break room. He's really? like squatting next to him giving the thumbs up. What what was his whole thing? Cuz he's like the what boss of all bosses of this guy. He's, he's like sleeping on the okay. job. No, he's saying like I busted you sleeping on the Oh. Bed. Gotcha. 
It sounded staged. It was a real thing. Supposedly, yeah. Did he stick his hands in hot water and make him <laughs> pee pee himself? He like drew <laughs> genitalia on the guy's face right. with sharp. He put toothpaste on his hand and tickled his nose. He's a fun loving boss. Uh, all right. So that's room and pillar. There's also the cut and fill method, which I don't fully understand. It is for narrow deposits and you basically drill a ramp, uh, adjacent to the deposit from the surface of the earth down to the bottom of it. Right. And then you start at the bottom. At the bottom and just start drilling sideways? Yeah. So so imagine like the, the, the ore deposit is just like a big, tall, um, like rectangle. Okay. Okay, in the earth going upwards. It's yeah. a vertical ore deposit. Yeah. You just go down to the bottom and you make a cut across mm-hmm. where you're digging out the coal. From one side to all the way to the other, right? All the way to the other, right? Yeah. And then you backfill that with... Um, Rock, rubble, mm-hmm. that say you, you gathered when you made the initial shaft down right. to the bottom. And then you drive on that backfill to do the next thing. So you fill oh. the entire room you just did with rubble. And then when you cut above that, uh-huh. you're using that rubble to drive on. And so then you, you do the same up, thing basically. again. Yep, just gotcha. up and up and up. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty good one. And if you imagine a big yellow truck doing it, it can just send you barreling right back to age four <laughs> or five. Uh, I didn't play a ton with Tonka trucks. A little bit. I had a few. There was a lot of model cars. Richard Scarry was really good at drawing stuff like that. Yeah. Really sucking you into that universe. Those books were great. But I was big on, I had that uh, Evil Knievel stunt cycle. Oh, yeah. That was just amazing. Yeah. Like, that was my toy of choice for like probably three or four years. I can imagine. Yeah. I used to, (laughs) we, my brother and I made, don't try this at home, kids. This is the 70s. We were much more dangerous. We would make uh, hoops out of coat hangers and dip them in gasoline. No, I was really, really hoping fire. that you were going to say a ring of fire. Yeah, when <laughs> we would jump an evil Knievel through it. <laughs> That's really awesome. Yeah. Man, I really missed out on having a Scott of my own. Yeah, it's good to have a Scott around. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be at our New York shows, by the way. Oh, great. Just randomly going to be in New York. Same exact time. coming to both of them? Actually, I don't know if he's going to come to the show. He was going to, but then I said, it's the same topic you've already seen. Oh. So he said, yeah. Uh, anyway, back to um, cut and fill. Uh, you can use it for wider deposits as well. You just have to have two adjacent ramps. I guess you have one on each side. Yeah. I didn't really get that aside from maybe it's it's uh, they're just crisscrossing each other. I think other, that's what they're doing. One above the other. That seems really dangerous. Yeah. Well, it's all dangerous. All right, let's talk more about Scott. <laughs> uh, what about block caving? This one is, um, you don't see it a lot now. Uh, it's for hard rock uh, excavations. And basically, it's not for like precious metal or anything. It's for low-grade junk. So I saw that here, but then I also saw like videos of um, a, that, that sounded a, a lot like this. That seemed a lot like this, uh-huh. too. So I, I don't know if it's just for junk or whatever. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's basically where you cut through and then you let the roof collapse behind you. Yeah, you dig out a room and then blast it and let it just fall in on itself. And then you haul that stuff out. Yeah, I guess you wouldn't care about the, the stuff you're recovering like that much. Obviously, it's worth going into the earth and retrieving it. Yeah. But I guess it's not high grade, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. So, um... Coal, like we said, is softer, and that is usually room and pillar style. 
but now there's a thing called long wall mining. It is all the rage in the break room yep. uh, of the minings. Uh, so it's really efficient. They get out uh, 90% of available ore uh, with this method, where room and pillar is only about 50%, which is a huge diff. Right. So we said that we were talking about hard rock mining, right? With the room and pillar. Yeah. Works for hard rock mining and soft rock. Yeah, it crosses over. But then the uh, cut and fill, that's just for hard rock, right? Correct. Okay. And then long wall, that's just for soft rock, basically? Uh, I think so, yes. So long wall, yeah, that's the one where I'm like, oh, man, this is so cool. Yeah, the the machine, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. How much do those machines cost? Boy, I don't know. A lot. Like four or 500 bucks, easy. Easy, at least. <laughs> Uh, it's really neat. Um, you're not drilling into a single deposit uh, through the deposit. Right. You basically have a machine that just kind of, it's sort of a cross cut and just shaves it off mm-hmm. as you go. And right. onto a, a conveyor belt, just constantly moving the stuff out. Right. Rather than drilling through, going forward or backward, you're you're going left to right. Yeah. So what you would do is you drill a shaft down to the ore deposit, yeah. and then you drill a shaft that's parallel to the face of it, right? That goes from left to right. Mm-hmm. And then you go down and you bring in your long wall machine, which is a, apparently up to 800 feet long. Yeah. Wide. Costs $500. <laughs> right. And each each part of this machine, which sounds like it's modular, like you can make it shorter or longer or whatever. Yeah. And they just hook up to one another. It's like, it's like a, a hydraulic jack. Yeah. That holds the roof of the mountain up above it. Yes. And then on it the provides front, its own support. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the front of it is where the, the coal eater is, the soul eater. Amazing. This thing in action is really cool looking. Yeah, it really is because when you're watching videos of it, um, you, it looks, you just see it from the side and it looks like, oh, okay, it's going to go straight. And then all of a sudden the coal eater shoots off out of sight. Yeah. Further back into the ore deposit. And as it does that, it drops that coal down to a, a conveyor belt in the front of the thing. And it shoots the coal off to the um, shaft that raises it up. Amazing. It is very amazing. Uh, and there's another method called short wall, and it's the same thing. It's just for shorter cuts when it's a narrow deposit. Right. And then after the cut is made, the thing advances a little further, and the uh, the roof behind it caves in. Amazing. I- I'm a big long wall fan. What about you? Mm, I like the room and pillar. Really? Mm-hmm. Because it's the machine. Oh, okay. The continuous miner. Well, I think that's why I like the long wall is because of the the mining machine. They should have named the continuous miner the John Henry. (laughs) Just, you know, out of respect, like a throwback. But he was a railroad guy. Who was the guy who had the... Casey at the bat. (laughs) No, wasn't it John Henry who had the contest against the... The steam machine. But I think they were... Is I know what you're talking about. I thought he it was, was a like steel a driving pickaxe. man. Oh, right. He was driving spikes. Yeah. What was the one that was I don't know. digging into a rock? I know what you're talking about, though. Right, and I well, feel like they were they were trying to build a train tunnel, too. I'm going to look this up during the break. Okay. And we'll come back with the answer. Ooh, how about that? Let's do it. It's called a cliffhanger. <laughs> All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. 
Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. All right. It is John Henry. Wow, he did it all. He did it all. He was uh, he was the steel driving man, like he said. But here was the deal: he hammered the steel drill into rock uh, to make the railroad tunnel. So uh, okay. it was railroading and mining. Gotcha. Or not mining. But. It was the best of both worlds. Well, do you call that mining? Mining or sure, just tunneling. It's Ooh, tunneling. Man, that's a good question. No, I don't think it's mining. Mining is specifically getting ore. Right. Tunneling is just blasting a hole through something okay tunneling that was another good episode we did tunnels did we do that one too yeah jeez man starting to lose it yeah i like our civil engineering episodes too is that a a tranche we have sure we've done bridges Mm -hmm. tunnels mining a couple of times Mm -hmm. uh some other stuff yeah i guess landfills would probably qualify yeah i could probably come up with more but we should move on (laughs) You want to talk about the dangers of mining, Chuck? Yeah, well, they're rampant. They're well. First of all, it's it's can be very uh, can be bad for Mother Earth. Yeah, just a tad, just a little bit. Uh, we're talking. I mean, you're changing the physical makeup of the Earth, right? Beneath our feet. So there's got to be ramifications. Um, air pollution, of course, is one. Uh, how water flows, uh, and you know the water table underneath the Earth. Where that goes, right? That's bound to change things. Um, well, and also a lot of times they are releasing other things in the earth, yeah, that shouldn't really be in our drinking water, and that that stuff does get into drinking water. The soil pollutes the heck out of it. Sometimes there's a fire, underground fires that you can't even get to to put out, like uh, in Centralia, Pennsylvania. Isn't that crazy? A fire, fire burning deep within the earth. Yeah. That that just sounds dangerous. Yeah, well, if, if a coal seam catches, you're in big trouble. Yeah, because that's that is not getting put out anytime soon. Maybe 150 years, it'll burn itself out. Who knows? Really? 
Yeah, that's what Centralia's got going on. A still? Yeah. Wow. Still on fire. Like, it will probably be on fire for a century. Man, I need to look into that. I haven't heard of that. Oh, it's neat. Really? Yeah, they abandoned the town. They had to. Crazy. Yeah, there was a kid in, like, the 80s after the fire had caught. It was a landfill or a tire fire, something mm-hmm. stupid. And it caught it, it caught a coal seam on fire, an underground coal seam. And, um, like, they knew it was burning, but they didn't ev- evacuate the town until a kid in, like, 1982 was just playing in the street. And the street opened up and almost swallowed him into a pit of fire. And they were like, we need to get out of here. Holy cow. Yeah. So that area is just like a, a I mean, is it fenced up and it's a, yeah. de- a death zone? Yes. But apparently there's still a couple people that live there that are like, I'm not moving. Really? Mm-hmm. Man. Never heard of that. There's also, have you heard of wildcat mining? I don't think so. It's basically- Why don't I know anything about mining? <laughs> it's basically, I, I asked that same question. Why do you know everything about mining? I, that's a good question too. Um, wildcat mining I know about because I, I couldn't find the name of the article, but there was a great article I think I read in Harper's a year or two back, mm-hmm. and it was about wildcat mining in um, Guyana. And basically it's just illegal mining, but they are the most polluting- um, mining operations you can imagine. Really? Like they use mercury, quicksilver, to bind to gold. And they're handling the quicksilver. It's getting everywhere. They're leaving it behind. It's going in the soil. It's yeah. going in the water. Um, and that's just like one problem with it. They, they do nothing to remediate like their, the diesel exhaust or anything like that. It's just a really big problem. What country is this? Guyana. Down so in is South it America. Just completely unregulated, or yeah, or is it like a rogue operation? Well, by definition, it's it's a rogue operation, right? Wildcat. It's just an unlicensed mining operation. Man, and it's not just Guyana that has that problem. It's around the world. There's wildcat oh, mining, sure. but they they have a particularly bad problem with it. Man, yeah, and I bet they make a dollar a day. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, very sad. Um, well, we might as well talk about the human toll since that's where we are. Uh, like I said before, um, major accidents are the one you're going to hear about. But as example, uh, in 2010, um, about 2,500 Chinese miners died, but none of them were big, big accidents. Right. So you didn't really hear about a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you didn't hear about it in China. I know. I, I didn't hear about it. But no. yeah, in China, they were like... That's a big death toll, though. Miners' family received windfall. They right. They didn't say why. <laughs> they got paid out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you talked about, uh, was it in 2010, yeah. the Chilean? And West Virginia that same year, there was yeah. 29 people killed? 29 to 31 people at the Upper Big Branch Mine in West Virginia, Massey Energy's mine. New Zealand, another 29 people died that same year? Yeah, 29 to 31, again, of the people present. 29 of the 31 died at Pike River Mine. Uh, things are getting better, though. Like a lot of these accidents... Um, well, like you said, sometimes it's uh, tremors, like we said earlier. Yeah. Sometimes there are explosions. Um, you know, these gases can ignite. Uh, there's underground gases. It's just, it's really just volatile down there. And in, in developed countries, though, there's not supposed to be explosions. Right. Like the mining operations are supposed to be sophisticated enough these days that yeah. there should not be explosions. I remember Massey Energy got in big trouble because they just, were totally lax really? about safety precautions, that kind of stuff. And some miners blew up because of it. Man. Uh, and then, of course, the health risks that are long-term. We mentioned black lung, but, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be just black lung. Uh, there are all 
sorts of things you can breathe in. Welding fumes, uh, radon, mercury, all kinds of respiratory disease that can arise mm-hmm. from being down there without even like a hanky over your mouth in some of these photos. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I would wear at least a dust mask. You would be down there anyway. I could mine. <laughs> I'd be like Derek Zoolander's family. He'd be break room Josh. <laughs> Go wake up Josh. <laughs> Make him do it. Uh, but you did mention remediation a second ago, and um, it, it you know it's all gotten better, safer, and more uh, strict uh, environmentally speaking. But there are different, depending on where you are, there are different uh, remediation laws and rules. Yeah. From take care of it right now like you were never there, which, let's be honest, that's got to be impossible, right? Yeah. Um, to, you know, come back every year and check on it. If you want. <laughs> I remember in the Abandoned Minds episode, it's like there's a lot of really dangerous spots, especially out west. Yeah. That are just abandoned mines that people just walked away from. And if a company liquidates and you don't really know who the owners were, then there's not a lot you can do. True. Uh, you know, should we talk about the canary? I think we should, man. You've heard the phrase canary in a coal mine, um, which I never really understood. Not where it came from, but I didn't even know what they were, what people meant by that until more recently. It's like the, you know, the indicator that things are yeah. about to go south. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah. But I would just hear it and go like, oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's actual, like, legitimacy to it, right? Yeah, there was a guy named John Haldane who was quite the self-experimenter. He would he would try and kill himself. Or, well, that's not true. He would try and bring himself near death yeah. by sitting in rooms full of gases so he could record results. Right. Amazing. I, yeah, my head is always off to scientists who guinea yeah. pig themselves. Yeah, I mean. Love those guys. <laughs> no, really. He was also very sharp, right? From his studies, he he found out that carbon monoxide poisoning stained tissues red with hemoglobin, right? Yes. And so uh, it, he's working in the 1890s here. He noticed that miners um, would come up with, you know, bright, flushed faces, mm-hmm. mysteriously dead. Right. And he figured out probably carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. So he said, you know what you guys should do? You should start carrying canaries down there with you. Yeah. Think of... Something really mean you could do to an animal. Right. And carry it down there in a cage, and if the canary dies, then that means you, you should, have troubles. You should turn and run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because apparently birds, uh, the way they breathe, they're, they're, they're getting twice as much oxygen or just intake as a human? Uh, both. Okay. I guess. That they're breathing in twice as much because yeah. of the way they're uh, little... For, uh, feathery little system works. Yeah, which is pretty. I didn't know this. This is from a, uh, I think, Gizmodo article, maybe from Esther Inglis Arkell. Yeah. Um, and she points out that a bird's respiratory system, when they suck in air, some of it goes to basically like their lungs and perfuses their blood with oxygen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but some of it also goes to these secondary sacs that just kind of hold it there. Yeah. And then when the bird exhales, that that air that never went to the lungs goes through the lungs. Mm-hmm. So they're getting oxygen on the way in and the way out. Yeah. But that also means that whatever they're sucking in when they take in that breath, right. they also get on the way in and the way out. Right. Which makes them very susceptible to dying from poisoned air. Yeah, but great if they're not in a mine and they want to fly around. Sure. Because they're super oxygenated. Right. But yeah. if you can 
get your hands on them and shove them in a cave and take them down to a mine with you, mm-hmm. you can use them as an indicator. Yeah, and the, and she pointed out even if they didn't breathe this way, just the fact that they're birds, theoretically you could probably take any animal, small animal down there. Oh, yeah. And if it died before a human, then that's probably bad. But birds were small, right. put them in a cage easy, and then they had the whole uh, double doubling down on breathing. The, <laughs> the, what was that? Wasn't that a KFC sandwich, the double down? <laughs> it's probably. I think it was. You got anything else? Nope. Well, if you want to know more about underground mining, you can type those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for Listen to Mail. I'm going to call this, um, I think this girl's trying to sue us. Oh, good. It's actually not true. Uh, hey, guys. Um, I'm new to the podcast thing, but discovered yours. And it is awesome. All caps. Uh, I was born and raised in Seattle in uh, an intentional community. Not religious or culty, just lots of hippies. Um, in the late 1990s, my housemates and I set out to free the Seattle airwaves via pirate radio. Uh, long story short, we got up and running, uh, running with a show called Ape Shall Not Kill Ape. Great title. Yeah. Um, it was a mix of music, life, commentary, and how stuff works. I actually read from one of the coolest books I had, which was How Stuff Works. Remember, we had those books years ago. Yeah. By Marshall Brain. Yeah, and she would read these things like she kind of had the first version of our podcast. Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, even though you guys have an amazingly sweet and popular podcast, uh, and I had a pirate radio show just reaching Capitol Hill in Seattle (laughs) in the late 90s, I feel akin to you guys, fortunately for me. Uh, Unfortunately, after a few months, two guys wearing suits knocked on the door uh, they thought was our studio. We had a secret door and ladder and club knocks. Oh, I guess like, like, yeah, secret knocks. (laughs) <laughs> and obviously we had been found out which is crazy because we barely had a mile radius of coverage but the government is a government and we weren't paying them so they got upset they actually sent two dudes after her I'm not that crazy. that's uh, we, just terrible we ended up getting shut down and though I am very thankful for podcasts I still feel like uh, the people should own their airwaves and I encourage everyone to start a pirate radio station of their own uh, thanks for everything can't wait to hear about uh, the feet washing ashore in my state. Oh, yeah. Great show. The Mysterious Feet. Yeah, I love that one. British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will write you again. So that is from Aaron. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Power to the people. Yeah. I, I thought for a minute when I was reading that, she was going to say, um, this is my idea. <laughs> yeah. So get the checkbook out. Yeah. Uh, if you want to sue us, please don't. Instead, you can just get in touch with us. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can hang out with us on Instagram at SYSK Podcast as well. You can hang out with us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, 
No microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richards Rainwater. Childproofing people's homes is hard. But Duracell is making it just a bit simpler. Not only are they committed to educating parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of battery safety, they make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Duracell even features child-secure packaging designed to avoid accidental opening. Learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes.